This program is brought to you by RTS on iTunes U from the virtual campus of Reformed Theological Seminary. To listen to other courses or to access other materials from RTS, please visit us at itunes.rts.edu. The first heading is Scripture. John's Gospel ends with the word, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. John 21, 25. You can say, well, John, when you wrote that, weren't you exaggerating just a little bit the whole world? Now, if John... Now, just think for just a moment. If John, with his apocalyptic eye, could have looked from the year 90 when he wrote this all the way to the year 2001 and see all the books throughout the centuries, throughout the decades, throughout the years that have been written on Christ, he would stagger and say, I told you so. Point two, just as God entrusted to the Jews the very words of God, Romans 3, 2, that is the Old Testament, so he entrusted to the New Testament, the New Testament to the church, and by extension also the Old Testament. Three, not every book written by an apostle has become part of the canon. I trust that you're fully familiar with four letters written by Paul to the church in Corinth. You find the reference in 1 Corinthians 5, 9. You find another reference in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 2 and 3, in addition to 1 and 2 Corinthians. And then you have Colossians 4, verse 16. The epistle that you read now to the Colossians, cause it to be read, read in the church and Laodicea down the line about six miles. And you in turn receive the epistle from, from the Laodiceans and read it in the worship service. Now suppose, just suppose, that in the sands of Egypt, let us say a hundred miles to the south of Cairo, Egypt, archaeologists, discover a document, and that happens to be the epistle of Paul to the Laodiceans. What would happen? Would we have a 28th book in the New Testament canon instead of 27? The answer is no. I dare say that if such a document be found, that it would not add as single bit of information, revelation, if you please, of what we have now. Nothing new under the sun. Should a book be discovered in the sands of Egypt that belongs in the canon, it would be strange indeed if God has withheld his information from the church for nearly two millennia. Paul warns the Thessalonians against accepting a spurious report or letter that supposedly came from him. Second Thessalonians 2.2 Paul places the Gospel of Luke, 1 Timothy 5.18, on the same level as Old Testament Scriptures. 
And Peter places Paul's epistles on the same level as the Old Testament scriptures, that is, 2 Peter 3.16, and the only thing that was not written was 2 Timothy. Otherwise, all Paul's epistles were, may I say in print, or circulated, not in print. Now, the writers. The apostles are Matthew, John, Paul, and Peter. They are apostles. They wrote Gospels, Epistles, and Revelation, 21 books of the 27 in the canon. Excluded from apostolicity are Mark, Luke, with the Gospel and Acts, James and Jude, and the writer of Hebrews. Mark wrote on behalf of Peter. Luke was a companion of Paul. James and Jude were half-brothers of Jesus, all in the family. No one knows the identity of the author of Hebrews. In short, these writers may be placed within the broader circle of apostles as apostolic helpers, regardless who the writer of Hebrews was. Now the criteria. Here are a few criteria that you can consider. First of all, apostolicity. The Eastern Church stressed apostolicity as the criterion for inclusion in the canon and hence attributed Hebrews to Paul. An apostle must sanction a New Testament book. Next, orthodoxy. A book must agree with the teachings of Christ and the apostles. It must complement the revelation of the Old Testament scriptures for a book to be in the canon, it must have come from God. Look at the Apocrypha, read them sometimes, and then ask yourself, is this really from God? The church did not create a canon by selecting a series of books for religious use. God produced His authoritative word and the church recognized and acknowledged the canonicity of these books. Notice that word, acknowledged. No church council decreed that books should be in the canon. The church at grassroots levels acknowledged God's word. And then the church councils merely said, yes, we put a stamp of approval upon what the church at grassroots level has said. Tradition. The books of the New Testament must have been awarded honor and respect from the time they were composed. Books were accepted and approved at the grassroots level of the universal church. The New Testament canon has been accepted by the church universal in the East and the West by Roman Catholics and Protestants, even by Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, Christian Science and Unitarians. To a degree. And then we have inspiration. <clears throat> Origen wrote that the crucial point in determining canonicity was not apostolicity, but inspiration. Paul notes that every word of Scripture is God-breathed. Theoprustos is the Greek word. 2 Timothy 3.16 A book is in the canon because it is inspired by God. And now comes the question. Is an inspired book also canonical? Do the two terms, canonical 
and inspired mean the same thing. A non-inspired book has never been included in the canon. But an inspired book, the epistle to the Laodiceans, was not included either. The Holy Spirit's testimony. Here comes John Calvin. He based the authority of Scripture on the doctrine of inspiration. Christians accept the authority of Scripture because of the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit. The canons of the Council of Trent, 1546, and Protestant confessions, among them the Gallic Confession, Belgian Confession, the 39 Articles of the Anglican Church, the Westminster Confession, speak about this testimony. <clears throat> and now Revelation. The New Testament canon demonstrates progressive revelation which means that the books of the New Testament develop God's disclosure of His plan of salvation from the Gospels, Acts, and Epistles to the Apocalypse. For instance, First Clement, written in apostolic style and is filled with quotations from the New Testament, utterly fails to advance God's revelation presented in the 27 books of the New Testament. First Clement was read in worship services at Corinth until the year 170. And Origen called the epistle of Barnabas a Catholic epistle which was placed in New Testament lists of the 4th century, though not regarded as canonical. These books might be read for edification. The words of Jesus, Joachim Jeremias, wrote the book titled The Unknown Sayings of Jesus. Words of Jesus in the New Testament apart from the Gospels are in Acts 20.35 it is more blessed to give than to receive. 1 Corinthians 7.10 Not I, but the Lord says. And in a few other places. 1 Thessalonians 4.15 There's one more about eschatology. Jesus also speaks in the first chapters and the last chapter of Revelation. Next point. The unknown sayings of Jesus include the reading of Luke 6, 5 in the Codex Beza. On the same day he saw a man performing work on the Sabbath. Then he said to him, Man, if you know what you're doing, you're blessed. If you do not know, you're cursed and a transgressor of the law. End of quote. Also the Babylonian Talmud. Quote, Thus did Jeshu of Nazareth teach me, quote, Of the hire of a harlot was it gathered, and unto the hire of the harlot shall it return. Micah 1, 7. From filth it came, and to filth it shall return. End of quote. And in the early church fathers, Origen, Clement of Alexandria, and others, an exhortation from Jesus appears. Here it is. Be approved money changers. Then we have the Gospel of Thomas, touted quite a bit by the Jesus movement, Jesus seminar, I should say. But look at these sayings. I've picked out just a few. There are 114 in total. But just a few. Here they are. And ladies, please, I'm not, I hope you're not going to be offended. But this is Gnosticism. Keep it in mind. Jesus said, Behold, the sower went out. 
He filled his hand, he sowed the seed, saying, Nine. And the Gnostics saying, Here comes, Simon Peter said to them, Let Mary go away from us, for women are not worthy of life. Jesus said, Lo, I shall lead her, so that I may make her a male, that she too may become a living spirit, resembling you males. For every woman, misspelled, who makes herself a male will enter the kingdom of heaven. And now mind you, the Jesus people, the Jesus seminar people who are always pro-feminine, want this gospel in the canon. And they even say it precedes the other four gospels. It's the first gospel. And the church is turning a deaf ear. Many sayings are inventions of Gnostic writers. Others are modifications of canonical gospels. Still others are variations and expansions. The extra canonical sayings that are valuable are merely supplementary to the existing gospels. Let's talk about apocryphal literature and look at gospels, acts, and epistles. This may be news to you, but here they are. There are numerous Gospels. Here they are. According to the Hebrews. Of the Twelve. The Gospel of the Nazarenes. The Gospel of the Egyptians. The Gospel of Peter. Of Thomas. Of Philip. Of James. Of Nicodemus. And then the book of Acts. Well, the Acts of John. Of Paul. Of Thomas. Of Andrew. Of Peter. Of Philip. And then we have epistles. The third epistle to the Corinthians. The epistle to the Laodiceans in Latin. Which is obviously a fake. The epistle of the apostles. And then we have the apocalypses such as the apocalypse of Peter, of Paul, of Mary and others. And God, by way of His Holy Spirit, said, No, four Gospels, 13 epistles of Paul, and then we have the general epistles. Apostolic fathers and others. We look at Clement of Rome. He wrote an epistle to the church in Corinth in 96, titled First Clement. His high regard for the Old Testament is evident But although he quotes from the New Testament, he never speaks of the New Testament Scriptures. Yet he places the words of Jesus on the same level as the Old Testament in his own book, 1 Clement. Never made it. Ignatius, he was a bishop of Antioch and was martyred in Rome in 110. As a prisoner en route to Rome, he composed seven epistles that he addressed to the churches in Asia Minor, and Rome, and to Polycarp. He alluded to Paul's epistles to Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and 1 Thessalonians, and to Hebrews and 1 Peter. Note the date, 1.10. He also knew the Gospels, especially Matthew and John, although he notes that the basis of Christianity is Jesus Christ. He does not call the New Testament books Scripture. Then Polycarp, Bishop of Smyrna. He was martyred at the stake on the 23rd of February, 
155. He had been a disciple of the Apostle John. His epistle to the Philippians, his own epistle that is, is filled with quotations from the New Testament, Gospels, Acts, Epistles of Paul, Hebrews, and 1 Peter. In his epistle, Philippians 12, verse 1, he writes, quote, Only as it is said in these scriptures, Be angry and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath. The first quote is from Psalm 4, 5. The second quote is from Ephesians 4, 26 where Paul quotes the same psalm citation. Polycarp is the first one to refer to a New Testament passage as Scripture because he writes about Ignatius as still being alive. That is before 110, mind you. His letter must be dated prior to 110. Now, Papias, as bishop of Heriopolis, meaning holy city, by the way, he wrote five books titled Expositions of the Sayings of the Lord. He was a disciple of the Apostle John and lived from 70 to 140. Scholars date his works about 90 to 110. Papias showed an interest in oral tradition. He writes, For I did not think that information from books would help me so much as the utterances of a living and surviving voice. He obviously refers to the Apostle John. And then we have Martian, known as a heretic, of the year 144, July 44. Martian appeared before a hearing of his views on the Scriptures. The elders excommunicated him for his heretical views on the canon. He taught a distinction between the supreme God of goodness and the inferior God of justice who was the creator and the God of the Jews. That's Gnosticism. Hence, he rejected the entire Old Testament, accepted only the Gospel of Luke and ten of Paul's epistles, minus the pastorals, and his New Testament canon. For his New Testament canon. Even Luke's gospel and Paul's epistles were trimmed. Quite a few sentences he didn't like. Out they go. Churches in the East. First Syria. Patient in 170 composed a harmony of the four gospels, which he calls Diatessaron, four through one. He had been a student of Justin Martyr, about 150. Church leaders, Rabbalah and Theodoret in Syria, rejected the Diatessaron because they held to four separate individual Gospels. The Church accepted the New Testament canon, 22 books, but not Second Peter, Second and Third John, Jude and Revelation. Now Egypt, the Coptic Church accepted the 27 books and in addition listed the two epistles of Clement of Rome that could be read in the churches. Alexandria, Athanasius, Athanasius in 367 presented a list of New Testament books, four Gospels, Acts, 14 epistles of Paul, Hebrews between 2 Thessalonians and 1 Timothy, the general epistles of James, Peter, John and Jude and the Apocalypse, and Laodicea.
The Council of Laodicea in 360 had a list similar to that of Athanasius. Churches in the West. The councils. Augustine was present at the North African Councils of Hipparagius, 393, and Carthage, 397. The acts of the Hipparagius Council are lost, but they are repeated in the acts of the Carthage Council. They list list the New Testament books as follows. Four Gospels, one book of Acts, 13 epistles of Paul, one epistle to the Hebrews, and then comma, by the same. <clears throat> In other words, we're not all that sure. Two of the Apostle Peter, three of John, one of James, one of Jude, and John's Apocalypse, one book. The councils ratified the New Testament canon, which had been adopted by the church at large. Hence the Christians recognized and accepted the authority of the books, and the councils merely acknowledged an established fact. Now the reformers. Martin Luther, first of all. He used the Greek New Testament of Erasmus. And I told you a little bit about Erasmus the other day, did I not? How he, well, didn't really have the text in Greek. He had the text in Latin. So he translated from the Latin and made up his own text. That is the wording of the text. He used the Greek, that is, Martin Luther used the Greek text of Erasmus, who also influenced his thinking of Hebrews, James, Jude, and Revelation. Luther accepted the canonicity of the 27 New Testament books, but he numbered 23 of them and left Hebrews, James, Jude, and Revelation unnumbered. He made valued judgments on the New Testament books. His criterion was, quote, a book must preach Christ and the gospel of justification by faith, end of quote. For Luther, the content of a book determined whether it was apostolic, for an apostle preaches Christ. When this is not the case, the book is inspired. When this is the case, the book is inspired. In the preface to the letter of James in 1522 and 1545, he wrote, All the genuine sacred books agree in this, that all of them preach Christ and deal with Him. That is the true test by which all, by which to judge all books when we see whether they deal with Christ or not, since all the scriptures show us Christ, Romans 3. And St. Paul will know nothing but Christ. 1 Corinthians 15. What does not teach Christ is not apostolic, even though St. Peter or St. Paul taught it. Again, what preaches Christ would be apostolic, even though Judas, Annas, Pilate, and Herod did it. You have to be a Luther to say it all. In the preface of the New Testament... 1522 and 1545, he made the following distinction. John's Gospel and St. Paul's Epistles, especially that to the Romans and St. Peter's First Epistle, are the true kernel and marrow of all the books. In them you find not many works and miracles of Christ described, but you find the depicted in masterly fashion 
how faith in Christ overcomes sin, death, and hell and gives life, righteousness, and salvation. This is the real nature of the gospel and you have heard. If I had to do without one or the other, either the works or the preaching of Christ, I would rather do without his works than his preaching. For the works do not help me, but his words give me life, as he himself says. Now John writes very little about the works of Christ, but very much about his preaching, while the other evangelists write much about his works and little about his preaching. Therefore, John's gospel is the one, tender, true, chief gospel, far, far to be preferred to the other three and placed high above them. So too the epistles of St. Paul and St. Peter far surpass the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In a word, St. John's gospel and his first epistle St. Paul's epistles, especially Romans, Galatians, and Ephesians, and St. Peter's first epistle are the books that show you Christ and teach you all that is necessary and good for you to know, even though you were never to see or hear any other book or doctrine. Therefore, St. James' epistle is really an epistle of straw compared to them, for it has nothing of the nature of the gospel in them. The four disputed books are James, Jude, Hebrews, and Revelation. And this is what Luther has to say about James. James said that, Luther said that James did not belong in the category of the numbered books because it was not apostolic and truly scripture. James stresses works instead of law. And thus contradicted Paul on the matter of faith and works. He wrote, quote, Therefore, no, therefore, I cannot put him among the chief books, though I would not thereby prevent anyone from putting him where he pleases, for there are many good sayings in him. <clears throat> End of quote. Jude. Luther said that Jude is an abstract of Second Peter. It is therefore an unnecessary epistle among the books of the New Testament. Hebrews. He objected to Hebrews because it lacked apostolicity. He suggested that Apollos wrote it. Also, he said that Hebrews contradicted the gospel of Paul's epistles in regard to repentance. He concluded that Hebrews could be used for edification. And now, Revelation. In the preface of 1522, he wrote, quote, about this book of Revelation of John, I leave everyone free to hold his own ideas and will bind no man to my opinion or judgment. I say what I feel. He always did. I miss more than one thing in this book, and this makes me hold it to be neither apostolic nor prophetic. End of quote. But in the 1545 preface he wrote, Quote, he, we can profit by this book and make good use of, it, use of it. Christ is near his saints and wins the victory at last. And I would like to say to Martha, Martin Luther of 1522, read the book of Revelation once more, Martin, and then start writing. Now, 
John Calvin. He taught Scripture's authority and inspiration that is accepted by believers through the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit. Scripture is self-authenticating for it provides the evidence for its divine origin, character, and authority. The internal testimony is confirmatory. For the believer, it validates what Scripture is in itself. He regarded the works of the non-apostolic writers inspired. For instance, Mark and Luke. The Holy Spirit worked through them, and thus their books were inerrant and canonical. He accepted Hebrews with full authority, although he did not think that Paul wrote it. For James, he saw no reason to reject it. Quote, It is enough to make men to receive this epistle, that it contains nothing unworthy of an apostle of Christ. End of quote. He, deemed, he deemed Jude an authentic epistle, for, quote, It contains nothing inconsistent with the purity of apostolic doctrine. End of quote. Kelvin quoted Revelation repeatedly in his commentaries and institutes, but he did not write a commentary on this last New Testament book. He considered it to be inspired and authoritative. And that's it, class. The preceding program has been brought to you by RTS on iTunes U from the virtual campus of Reformed Theological Seminary and may not be reproduced or disseminated in part or in whole for sale or for profit without expressed written consent. To listen to other courses or to access other materials from RTS, please visit us at itunes.rts.edu.